0: Welcome to the very 139th edition of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. The podcast all about board games, board games and the people that love board games. And this week we've got an unusual treat for you. It might be a treat, it might not. If you don't listen to it, you don't have to. It's completely up to you. Uh, For myself and Ava Foxfortz... Hello. ...are going to be talking a little bit about board game manuals because I have basically designed one... And it was a very, very difficult process. And I now have some new feelings about the entire concept genre, what have you. So we're going to be chatting a bit about what it's like to try and actually make a board game manual. What I learned about board game manuals during the process of that. And just talking a bit about board game manuals in general. Doesn't that sound like the most exciting chat you've ever heard in your life, Ava?
1: Honestly, I'm so up for this. Like, this is a a (laughs) weird collaboration between like old sorts of geekery that I haven't actually got to indulge in, in quite a while. I used to do a load of uh, like content design stuff which was basically like communicating with words and pictures and images and stuff to for technical purposes and explaining purposes rather than like creative purposes and playful purposes.
0: Hieroglyphics effectively. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got a bit of nerdery in me for like infographics and orders of like orders of understanding and people how people process a page or a web page or a bit of information that they've got and how you make it so that that stuff gets right into people's heads without them really having to try that sounds exactly
0: like what a board game manual is
1: yeah well that's it the board game manuals the thing about board games is that like the thing that you want to be doing isn't immediately obvious from the components that you've got in front of you unless you've got an incredibly well-designed uh game like there's a set of objects there's a box full of objects and it needs to be turned into a game by you learning rules learning processes learning what you're going to do on a step-by-step basis through it and not just often it's not just even just that it's a, a book that a little manual that has to take you through the game and give you the tools you need to explain it to other people because you can't I mean you can play board games on your own there's solo games that are designed for that but for the most part you've got to not just do the written exam you've got to do the oral exam and and explain it to people as well and it's (laughs) like what a horrible set of obstacles to put in the way of our (laughs) our lovely lovely hobby
0: this is true this is true i'm, I'm now just slightly aghast i'm like oh, i didn't know you had all this experience in doing specifically this saver. i probably should have got you to do this rather than me <laughs> doing it but it's it's done now honestly so i was never actually
1: that good <laughs> i was just very excited by it
0: um i i also have a similar kind of not the same but i one of my first jobs when i was just out of being a graduate for university doing psychology um, was working in market research and I basically did an awful lot in terms of qualitative research, which means not really the numbers stuff, just the listening to lots of conversations and talking to people about things and yeah. basically sitting behind a double-sided mirror, eating biscuits and taking notes and quotes on what people are saying, <laughs> and then trying to decode things. And really a lot of that was about user experience in terms of trying to work out what people weren't gelling with mostly in video games. But that was interesting because it was kind of similar because it was people who didn't play video games Uh, embracing stuff like the Nintendo DS and the Nintendo Wii and effectively having to pass a language that they didn't recognize and trying to deal with menus and options and how to do things in games where they had no real understanding of it. So actually, in a way, there's quite a big parallel there in terms of how people approach board games and how people approach video games. It's like, how much do you understand this language already?
1: yeah yeah and uh, what, what those obstacles that come up you can't really tell without putting them in front of people who have who have never done the thing before who have never seen what's in there who don't have that thing and if you're going to try and reach those people and if you know i feel like i, I don't know if it's a stated official goal of shut up and sit down but you know one of the one of the things that i think we focus on is wanting to bring more and more people into the hobby and if it's a hobby that has got these exams in we need to start thinking about what those
0: obstacles are and how people get over them. (laughs) Now, what I'm talking about here is the manual for a game called Rats High Tea at Sea. A basically free to download, pay what you want, print and play, roll and write, designed, gosh, there's a lot of words, designed to be played over Zoom. You can play it in real life as well if you want, but the game is effectively designed to be played um, with other people online and doesn't require anything really other than a printer or even just a piece of paper and pencil or a pen. This was a game designed by Eric Zimmerman and Josh Debonis, and they came to us with this in a state which was kind of mechanically pretty much there you know it was a game of effectively you playing as these rats trying to steal Things from each other and trying to be the best rat and having a party on a sinking ship. And it was fun, it had a little bit of you nibbling at other players and pinching things. And I really liked it because it had a depth of savviness in terms of being able to almost take mental notes about what you thought other people were doing. So effectively, you knew who to rob blind later in the game. And uh, yeah, we thought it was very fun and we kind of had a vision for how it might be fleshed out and shaped into something that might be. Perfect for the shut up and sit down audience that we kind of think we have, and the shut up and sit down audience that we would like to have. So we thought something that was a little bit sharp, a little bit bitey, but overall quite fun and light-hearted, and uh, kind of poking fun at the idiocy of these affluent rats having a lovely party on a ship that was sinking.
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting, isn't it, as a game because it's got this very like clear, direct imagery that it's trying to get across, and like it, yeah, I, you, the the visual spectacle of like the cover and the bits running through it are all really solid at, at presenting this thing but then there's also the core of the game and
0: well it's 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 good you say that because um we got some fantastic illustration work done by lucy ebrey who is a, a fab uh, comic artist and illustrator who did a really perfect job on making the rats just the right mixture of uh, lovable but slightly horrible at times and uh, yeah, it, it was a big factor early on that was wanting to convey a lot of the theme of the game and a lot of the setting through the art of the game. And that was actually one of the biggest issues that we had <laughs> initially, and we'll come back to it a little bit later. But yeah, we're going to be talking about the process of making this manual for this game, RATS, which if you want to check it out, you just go to shutupandsitdown.com forward slash RATS. And it'll take you to a page where you can download the manual, have a look at what we're talking about today, and also download a player sheet and have a go, if you like. Play it with some friends.
1: Yeah, because it's all free, pay what you want, and just available for anyone who needs a bit of cheering up. So, uh, uh, Matt, give me a little bit of a heads up about how this... Like, So this project was something where a game was brought to you and you were then designing the manual. So did you have a kind of proto-manual that was given to you or did you just get taught the game by... Um, Eric and Josh, and start to build up from there? Like, where was the starting point for
0: you? Well, yeah, there was a prototype manual that already existed. um, And my initial plan was really just to take what already existed, spruce it up a little bit, add in the new art to give it a bit more character and a bit more life, and then ship it that's done that's good you know honestly the whole process was really designed to be as we mentioned earlier about just providing something to people to cheer them up a bit you know it's been a rough year for lots of people um lots of people myself included have not been able to play board games with people in the way they have um there's lots of people doing things on video things like zoom but i got really bored with that very quickly and gosh i don't want to do another quiz so this idea of of having something that people could play remotely um, i played it with my family a few times and found it to be exactly the right level of complexity for just playing with people who don't really play games very much and i thought yeah this would be a really wonderful thing to be able to spruce up and put out into the world for people and if people want to give something back for the project that's fine but fundamentally it's it's something nice to put out into the world the thing about this project though is i mean as anybody who's followed me for enough time will know, that I have I've basically an S rank in uh, white boy confidence of just being <laughs> pretty sure that I can do almost anything. You know, like I'm someone who's kind of confident I can fly a helicopter just because I'm quite good at it in GTA Four <laughs> or whatever. Like you know, it's like it, it's that kind of ridiculous inherent bravado that that powers too much of the world. And this was really a great big spoonful of hubris because my idea for this was great. The game's almost there. We just get some lovely art for it. We put it out before Christmas. We've got a nice thing for people to enjoy for free. Done, fab. What am I going to do on it? Well, I'll probably spend a couple of days just tweaking it up and making it look better in Illustrator and InDesign and then ta-da, we're done. I have never been so wrong about anything um, by such a wide margin. Um, I ended up spending probably um, a month of time on it as a project overall in terms of actual days, just days and days of of, of tweaking and looking at it and going back to it and making changes. And it was um, it was a very interesting, but a very hellish experience in many regards, uh, just because, well, there's a whole wide number of factors. Admittedly, it didn't help that I, I, <laughs> the manual I got was an illustrator file and I was like, oh, great it's an illustrator i'll just be able to go through and make some changes it wasn't put together by somebody who really knew how to use illustrator there weren't any layers or sections it was all just dumped everywhere so it meant okay initially i'm gonna have to do this from scratch but still that's not gonna take that long again wrong very very (laughs) wrong my experience with doing this stuff really came about from working on magazines uh back about a decade ago when i used to be a writer for official xbox magazine now i wasn't involved in any of the um the design work for those magazines but i did see how it functioned and i did get an experience of using some of these programs and through that had some experience of using them a long time ago we used to do things like physical newsletters and stuff for shut up and sit down donors and i had a bit of experience of making kind of magazine style format objects and i very naively thought well yeah it's it's going to be pretty similar to that right i'll get myself a structure i'll get myself a thing and then i'll just dump all the information in wham bam thank you but then i realized that that's what people do when they make manuals and that's why most manuals are quite bad um because they are just a stylized document where all the information is just dumped in a kind of list with headers and you open it up and just stare at a wall of text and go oh gosh I feel ill and that's Um, so
1: horrible isn't it that like initial feeling of picking something up and looking into it and just being like this I can't even see what bits of information this is trying to get into me and and yeah doing that first pass of something and seeing it as just like a a long chunky thing without headings without keywords without structure and examples and pieces in it to kind of draw your eye and let you know an overview of what you're looking for because what you want to some extent with something like this is to be able to flick through it and look at a top level and and get a sense of what's going on so that when you have that first flick through the manual you get to see something exciting and then but each of those things to actually expand very simply and quickly when you look into it and and that just isn't the same as like Saying this is what you do to win the game. This is what the objective. This is what, and just explaining every rule bit by bit. Um, and this is something we have to do all the time in terms of teaching yeah. games. Like you, 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 you learn the thing, and then you break it down into the bits that people need to understand. And if you can be good at breaking up and getting that order right, and thinking about it, it can go in very easily. But there's so many ways to do it wrong and unhelpfully. Oh, and yeah. yeah, and
0: and it is it was the point at which i started realizing that actually um <laughs> the point at which i realized quite how large a boulder i was pushing up a hill was when i suddenly clocked and i was like well hang on like we've spent i particularly has spent the best part of a decade poking fun at poorly designed manuals yeah um <laughs> And now I'm designing one, and designing one, trying to aim for an audience of people who maybe don't play games that often. And I thought this has to be like really clear. This, this is—it's not good enough that this is just a passable manual. This needs to be like a a decent manual. It yeah. can't be bad. And that was an exhaustingly terrifying realization because I thought there's no the way I can put out a bad manual after being like, "Well, this manual's not very good." It's like oh, all right. Come on, man! But let's you know, and that, thats always the the peril of critics trying to do anything is just being like, "Well, you have a go," and then going, "Oh gosh, this is hard." Um,
1: I also feel like it's the flip side of your um, unutterably immense confidence is a uh, ludicrous amount of perfectionism and a real desire to make everything you do like absolutely the best thing, whether that is something tiny that nobody will see or something that you're putting out in front of thousands of people.
0: Yeah, as a, as a combination, it's not ideal. Um, and I I did I did try and hold back a lot of my perfectionism with this project. I will be completely honest. Um, but there were a bunch of things I fought for that I had to work very hard for. Um, and actually, the key thing really was art. Yeah. In the fact that um you know working with a couple of very talented designers from New York who, um have quite like designer style sensibilities of, of wanting things to be quite minimalist and quite neat. Mm. Whereas I am very much, uh, you know, as you know, Ava, I'm, I'm a bit more of a ball of chaos energy and I want to have things clear and have that clarity. But I like a bit of mess. I like a bit of fuzz. I like a bit yeah. of life around the edges of things. And so initially one of the big back and forths we had was about something as so simple as how big should the pieces of art be on the player sheet? Yeah. Now, this was a real issue because... Um, we have a whole variety of things going on here. We've got different titles on each of the player sheets that all have different sizes of words. Like some of the words are very short. Um, Like one of them, I think at one point was just coziest, which is quite short or like, and then we have something I think originally was ostentatious, very long words. Then you've got the fact that these pieces of information that sit underneath these words for all of the different banquet goals that you can get in the game and for this for this chat you might want to have a look at one of the sheets just so we know what you're talking about um the, the the information basically nothing was the same size and i commissioned each of the pieces of art for these um different goals to be the same size which makes sense but actually in retrospect was silly because i should have I should have accounted for the difference in size of the text beneath them, the explainer text and the size of titles to make the illustrations work with the pre-existing structure, whereas in my mind I thought bish bash bosh, magazine way of doing it, have them all the same, put them all into a little grid, clean, nice, neat. I could not get these objects to sit into a grid neatly. And the only way I could was by making all of the illustrations very small. Yeah, 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 and that was something that designers kind of wanted to pursue and they really actually just thought no let's keep this clean let's keep it in the grid let's keep the illustrations small but i really felt very strongly that so much of the without a game that had a board without a game that has components or cards or any of this stuff so much of the theme of the game was hanging really heavily on just this art on the player sheet and i also felt very strongly that when you're playing a role right when there's any downtime you you're looking at your sheet you might be doodling on it you might be doing whatever you might be coloring something in but giving people little details to luxuriate on and little things to notice and little things to enjoy to me felt like a really huge thing and when I played this game for the first time in my family it was clear that the thing my mum enjoyed most about rats was like looking at like noticing something small about one of the illustrations and that was a highlight of the game and as a game designer obviously that's not what you want right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but it's the reality of of the situation you know it's like somebody noticing that that the the big rat that's eating the massive crumb and their tail is shaped like a little heart as if they're in love with this gigantic (laughs) morsel they're about to swallow that might be somebody's favorite experience of the evening you know just noticing a thing and even when
1: it's not just like having something that like you know one of the one of the functions of art and stuff in in games is providing you with something like you're going to be staring at this thing and if there is any downtime in a game which let's face it almost every game has some times when you are waiting for someone to do something like if you can keep something happening in that time whether it's and whether that is planning out your next move or just like enjoying the, the tactile and visual experience of what's in front of you um and it's an interesting thing with the with the uh, roll and write in that you know we said we're talking about manuals but like with a roll and write the 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 board itself the sheet that you are playing on whatever printed out thing you've got you're writing on is part of the manual and part of the game and the main interaction point yeah and, and the, that's
0: that's the thing that's the thing again this is the second point of hubris that i stumbled onto was i kind of realized initially it's like well you know these folks have designed the game i'm gonna do the art design i'm not the best art designer in the world but i'm not bad and there we are we'll have a lovely thing but i was quickly realized that actually like designing the, the sheets was very much game design yeah but also designing the manual was game design yeah and i was like oh, I'm doing game design now. <laughs> that's that's hard, right? Because it's like, in a way, you have these two conflicting um, schools that you need to meet in the middle and work out. Because as, as a designer, you want everything to be neat and clear and clean. But actually, there are things that you wouldn't do if you were just wholly focused on making something look nice and making something yeah. structurally look nice. And the thing that you end up doing when you are like trying to design a document that looks nice is you end up changing things you end up changing a word because um that last word is very long and it breaks onto a new line and you don't like it and okay well let's make that word shorter let's get rid of that sentence because it seems superfluous Mm -hmm. and it means that box can be smaller and then we can nudge everything up and in particular like the, the 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 most challenging page of the manual for me without a doubt was the the sheet that aimed to explain all three stages of the game on one sheet which was roll a banquet goal scavenge 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 and then outdo the host which is effectively you're explaining the entire game on one sheet because i really wanted to have that rather than splitting it off into different sections i wanted to have one page where you could just be like how does a turn work in order yeah and clarifying that order of like first you do this then you do this then you do this.
1: And this is like in my and every time I've been thinking about about game about manual design and about what people to do. Like I think this like I'm really I'm really glad that you did this and tried for this cuz like if there was one thing I was going to would get across to people doing manuals is that like having at least one page that like summarizes the whole of the turn not necessarily gives you all of the details and everything but just like actually gives people that sense like, the, the thing that you need to... One of the key things you need to get across is you need to get people how, like how you win and how you get to the end. But the key thing to get across, like, the meat of any teach is always going to be what happens on a turn. What do you do? What is that routine, that process that you're going to be going through over and over again? And getting that onto one page as a kind of, like, this is a summary of what is happening. Um, I did it for a... Um, Uh, when I was uh, doing some convention uh, stuff I tried as a challenge working with working with a designer trying to get like one page things of certain relatively simple kids games that I was just going to leave set up on tables places so that people could just get there without having to talk to anybody and just being like right how do you get this whole game onto one page and it's it's such a big challenge but it makes such a difference (laughs) to have that overview and just be like right look this is it this is this is what you need to know and that makes it so much easier for somebody if they know that there's a bit that is like right this is what you need to understand everything else is detail um, yeah yeah
0: and i mean the bigger the game the more complicated it is to do that yeah. and the thing is this was really relatively quite a simple game yeah. and so i very much felt like i don't want to have that thing of i was explaining all of the rules of the game over you know maybe one and a half two pages i think in the original manual it was all split across two different pages and i thought no let's get it all into one yeah. but then having the thing of trying to get all the information onto one page and all of the illustrations that hammer home how it works or provide examples of how things work and the repetition required because that's the key thing as a designer i wanted to cut out repetition but in reality repetition of rules or repetition of things exists for really important reasons you cannot skip it you know we have special boxes on this page that says each turn you scavenge three times and i think on that page it tells you each turn you scavenge three times two maybe three times across yeah. you know, oh, well, quite a short amount of space
1: the, the phase is called scavenge 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 which is exactly such a right lovely little way of reinforcing that now, I, now I look exactly at it.
0: and and also like you go and look at the player sheet and this is where you get into the kind of like the, the weeds of, of how much thought has gone into it like it's specifically designed on the main player sheet so that the first phase roll a new banquet goal has a kind of a faded out anchor attached to the side of it and then some rope running down. And actually the rope that runs across the sheet not only separates the top section of the banquet goals away from the bit you write on at the bottom, but also has a rope that runs through the three actions in order and then has a little flick at the end to kind of like faintly signify a loop, you know? And <laughs> That is lovely. And that's that like, is a lovely detail. Like, <laughs> I don't know if anyone would notice that, but if it's just a tiny, tiny thing that helps remind people, yeah. um, then that's enough. It, and, it's
1: interesting. And that's that's a way that you could teach the game as well. Isn't it? I, I probably would have suggested you find some way to have some arrows on it. I don't know what that would be but without breaking the breaking this out of it yeah, but yeah you've still got something that you can point to someone and go like that and you're following the basic rules of reading when you're doing it as well which is something you have to do which is you're either going left to right yes. or top to bottom and you don't you don't loop that in weird ways um, exactly so yeah that's smart. exactly
0: Exactly. Basically, Sorry, you know, I'm not just going to
1: like tell you you're smart during this. I don't know if that's going to... No,
0: no, no. Please don't. Please don't. Because <laughs> honestly, I was I was an idiot many, many times before we got anywhere near anything <laughs> smart. Like, uh, you know, uh, 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 the interesting thing as well is that we had, you know, even very simple things like, you know, when you are selecting something, are you going to be drawing a circle underneath it? Are you going to be striking a line underneath it? when you're filling things in how opaque should they be like trying to think about the textural thing of it also realizing that because this was going to be a print and play thing i didn't want it to be this colorful thing i wanted it to be black and white very printable yeah in fact designed with almost quite a cautious contrast there is some pure black um used within the manual and used on the main sheet but a lot of it is just dark gray because i didn't want to i didn't want to produce something that was going to cane people's printers because i don't know about everyone else but my printer you should print off one thing and it's like (laughs) yeah you need a new cartridge and it's like i'm not i'm not about that so i did want to have something that was going to be playable and look best when just dealt with as a black and white object it is it
1: is really interesting isn't it i can see that you've you've battled with um two different kind of needs in terms of what you're trying to get out of the shading and and heaviness of each line and stuff. And that is like firstly that you want the things to be textured and they need to be slightly backgrounded to the text, but not all of the way backgrounded to the text because they still need to be a focus. And I feel like there's something there's just the standard levels of attention stuff and you're right that without color, being able to say this is the most important thing this is the next most important thing this is the and and all of that kind of stuff to what you need to pay attention to and how important it is for you to focus on it um this is tough <laughs> it looks tough it looks like yeah yeah it's
0: it, it was really tough and i mean also the fact that really um the designers were very keen to 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 have this convey this idea of you being trying to have this ostentatious party on a ship that is sinking yeah. um but none of the mechanics, really, of the game had much to do with being on a ship sinking, you know? It was it was all very much the theming that helps you frame the experience, that helped you uh, get into character for how you might want to play the game. But mechanically, it just wasn't there. And so there was so much that the art had to do in terms of, like, all right, it needs to convey these characters of rats. It needs to make them seem slightly horrible, but slightly fun. It needs to have nautical stuff, right? So we need to have, like... You know, I've got an anchor and some ropes and I've got a little boat on the side. Um, and, you know, some, and then using the oceans as a kind of divider yeah. to like kind of split the page in half as having some little waves fading out. It was this fascinating thing of, of rather than just being like, oh, well, let's just divide this up into boxes. It was like, well, we have to use these. We've got this handful of strange tools and we have to use all of them somewhere. And so it was just a case of trying to work out what would go where and how it would squidge in was really really tricky and the other key thing i've probably mentioned this on the podcast before but one of the best pieces of writing advice i was ever given was given to me by old editor at xbox magazine was the idea that you can't ever expect people to read what you've written as a writer (laughs) he says you need to imagine the the reader being an ice climber falling off a cliff and all you can do is just grab them at the start of each new paragraph with something interesting and if yeah. you if you start a new paragraph with something interesting, then maybe they'll hook into it and stop. That's a really interesting way to approach writing, I think, generally. And I did take the same approach with videos of, of just assuming that you're going to lose anybody's attention almost immediately. And the best case scenario is if you can start a, a new section, or a new paragraph with such an interesting uh, beginning that it makes people then go back up the page, climb back up. That's great. But you yeah, can't expect yeah, that yeah. to happen yeah. and people will read an article you've written and actually they've just read two paragraphs of it and skimmed the rest that was a kind of central thing of how i thought about putting the manual together but at the same time it's so much worse because you've got an ice climber that's falling down and not only do you need to grab them at the start of each paragraph at the start of each section you have to grab their attention you need to give them the mechanics as readers to put little flags at the start of each one, so that when they come back to it, they know where things are.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. actually, it is it is going to be a forward and back thing. Like, it, it, yes, it, it's not. They've it's got no not choice. like an article where it's just like read through and and do the thing. It's like no, there's a there's a purpose here. You're not just trying to hook people on so that they 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 stay interested for a little bit longer. You actually trying to get information into them <laughs> like you're actually yes, trying to put
0: things exactly you still have to accept that fall like yeah. you still have to accept that they're not going to sit and read the manual front to back and read everything yeah. they are going to skim over stuff but you then have to allow them the ability to then climb back up and know where they're climbing to really quickly and easily yeah. and that's that was the realization i had when i realized that actually this wouldn't really be tenable i don't think for a much more complicated game yeah. but for a game that was quite simple I decided quite early on that rather than just having a simple style and pasting all of the text into it and having headers, I wanted every page in the manual to be sort of unique, Yeah. Um, which was again, just, just hellish. Um, but, <laughs> but by doing that, I realized by having them all being slightly different, slightly unique, I thought it might help, um, especially with the lack of color to play with, Yeah. It would help it be a bit more grounded in terms of when people were flicking through, being like, "Where was that rule? Where yeah. was that thing?" well, oh, that's exactly what I was just thinking about. Is it's not it, it, they're like the
1: one of one of the big use cases for a manual that isn't really present in in many other. I mean, no, I guess it, I guess it is it is present in other things, but like one of the big things that you've got, it's not just this is a document you read to play the game. This is a document that you have to refer to with mm-hmm. five people looking at you. <laughs> who have just had their fun interrupted because one of them thinks a rule means one thing and one of them thinks a rule means other, and 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 you know, and it's it, it's not always that high pressure, but it can be can be a really stressful thing if you've got a big manual to look for and those um those fantasy flight rules reference documents sorted alphabetically, like yeah, that's quite useful if you are with a group who are quite happy for you to methodically read out a whole big paragraph, but also. Uh, first of all who really wants to do that actually read through right okay we're just going to go through the entire process of how you do combat in this game and that means we'll get the answer to our question but also like what if you called it the wrong thing what if you've been referring to it as one thing and it's in somewhere
0: else yeah that would often be the thing you you'd be looking for combat and actually you're, what you want to find is attacking yeah yeah yeah, and, yeah. or you want to find yeah.
1: a particular flavor of tokens that's got a particular rule attached to it and so you've got to look you've got to dig around and loop around whereas like if possible you want to structure structure your manual in a way that it's like people should know where their where their question is going to come and be answered for and that is like a yeah. whole third or fourth layer of information and stuff that, that you're trying to put exactly into what you're building is not just this is how you play the game this is what to do this is how you teach it but also this all of that information has to be organized in a way that can be remembered and
0: found and yeah yeah and that's that's the thing is like I, when i started getting into it and getting into the weeds on like what is a manual how does it work Uh, what are the core elements of it but then also rubbing that up against oh gosh we've been such cruel critics I've been particularly a cruel critic about design and information clarity over the years that I can't do a bad job on this also we're working in black and white which takes away a huge amount of my tool set in terms of working with clarity Um, and then realizing that actually like well I, I guess I I would be more than happy if people play this game and use this manual and said hey you know what this manual's fine because yeah. I wasn't trying to make the best manual but what I was trying to do is address some issues that I have with manuals generally and trying to do a couple of things better and actually that thing this thing we're talking about now was was the thing that I wanted to do better yeah was I think that too many manuals think about okay what's the order to explain everything in You know, and to explain it all clearly, but they don't think enough about how easy is it going to be for people to go back to this manual to find things out to refer things, because there is this assumption that I don't think it comes from a place of arrogance, but there is this assumption that people are going to read your manual. Yeah, in the same way that as a writer, there is an assumption that people are going to read your article and it's like, sweetheart, I'm sorry, but they're not going to. Like, (laughs) they're going to skim it (laughs) and you'll be very lucky if they read a whole paragraph, like, cleanly. Um, And that's the same with playing board games, unfortunately. You know, people are going to skim through your manual and then they're going to think, okay, let's just start going and then they're going to be looking up stuff and going, oh, let me have a look. And so really what I try to do in terms of building this manual, uh, the only page in the manual which is just, like, text pretty much is the final page, which is just the credits, notes from the designers, special thanks, you know, because that's something that, frankly, people won't need to reference live. No one's going to ask in the middle of a game, oh, it was like three columns down in the special thanks bit of the, the you know, you would want to, want to know how does this work exactly. And just having a couple of zones in the, pa- in the booklet where people can go to and find that information out is so important. And that's why we used a lot of unique illustrations within the manual in terms of having the explanations being twinned with quite dynamic uh, images of rats looking anxious or, or proud or you know whatever to just help um create this environment where it's like somebody has tidied their room but not very well mm-hmm. and then you say to someone like where's the stapler and they just know where it is because they're like oh, i kind of saw it over there and just having that thing of, of having people not being expected to actually absorb all the information, but being given enough landmarks along the way, they'll just have a vague sense that when they're flicking through, they might not even consciously realize it, but they will find the page they're looking for more quickly because we've given them better subconscious landmarks yeah, 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 to, yeah, yeah. to find that stuff. And that was the thing I felt like really strongly about, because especially if you're playing this on Zoom, you don't want the awkwardness of dragging on and having somebody try. Oh I my mean, god! Can you imagine anything more awkward of the doing the board game thing? Of let me just look that up in front of people, but <laughs> all of them are on the internet or webcams. <laughs> oh, I'm cringing my clothes off. I, I, you know, I have to say again, I have nothing but sympathy for anyone trying to do this. You know, it's an industry where there aren't huge budgets, there aren't yeah. huge amounts of time to get things done. And you know, I was able to skip the process. Um, of, you know, getting people to sit down with it and Obviously, not entirely. I had a bunch of people look at it and give feedback and stuff. But to skip the wider testing of the manual in the wild, because of obviously because of my incredible white boy confidence, <laughs> but also because also because you know I do have I do have an experience, uh, a professional experience as a market research analyst and stuff yeah. like that. So I and psychology, which means I I had a kind of foundation for understanding how people were likely to interface with this and being yeah. able to look at it through that critical eye, which helped. But like not everyone can afford to get a psychology graduate graphic design amateur to spend a month doing it like on and off (laughs) part-time it is something that you have to knock out in a week and you know it's it's tough right and i also think that the wider question is like how at the moment the only way to know how to play rats as far as i'm aware unless anyone out there has made a how to play rats video which is possible um, the only way to learn how to play it is using the manual and in the next couple of weeks I'm probably going to be making a video introducing what rats is and then explaining how to play it as a video um, and that's the point where I, I you know that's the point where things become complicated right because I do think that at the moment a board game manual is the part of a game's design. However when you start shifting into like well actually people are going to learn how to play the game by watching the video which is something that I do a lot initially, because I find it a lot easier to pass information and remember it when I'm seeing things at the same time. And because we have professionals who do this and do it so well, then the question of how useful is this design ethic and ethos, how useful is that? How relevant is that? And what's the alternative? You know, I think that's the key question is if we do shift into a, an environment whereby people are learning games mainly from videos, then what is the process for looking stuff up And checking things because you don't want to be scrubbing through a YouTube video, right? Um, And I don't know what the answer to that is. So I feel like in in true keeping to me going back to my magazine roots, I feel like I've I've dived into an arena and started trying to master a skill that maybe is going to become slightly irrelevant in the short-term future. (laughs) Um, But um, it's certainly been fascinating and I'm certainly going to be a lot kinder to manuals than I have been in the past. But also, hopefully, try and shine a light more on manuals that do a really good job yeah. of of, uh, of doing that stuff. And uh, yeah, I don't know what the future of this stuff is. What do you reckon the future is, Ava?
1: I mean, I don't, I don't think you can get rid of a manual. I don't, I think, you, I think you're going to need to have that. I think that, I think that we might start seeing more like manuals designed to be read on a mobile or something like that. But like, you need a text layout of the rules somewhere right yeah but then I'm saying that because I'm someone who who does prefer doing that who does prefer being able to like go back and forth and, and jump into different bits of it rather than being stuck in front of a video watching someone do it in their their order like as much as those videos are brilliant and I think I know more people who learn games from videos than I do who learn games from manuals at this point I think um so it i find is that i find it
0: quite hard to read manuals until if i watch one of the videos then i can read the manual yeah. i can just i can just get through it so easily i can just breeze through it and invest ingest all the information um i just need that kind of foundation level of uh, of having some understanding of the broader thing yeah but no i think you're right i think it's like you know as a medium there is a reason we communicate using written words yeah. it's a very effective way of translating information to people
1: it's just you can't get past that re- the referencing thing but like in terms of the future of stuff also i think that i think that the future of board game uh, manuals and stuff is it's just going to get better right i think we're getting more and more skills in this i think more and pe- more and more people are realizing that they do need to do that extra level of testing or have a clever and strong way of communicating the information i think more people are realizing how big an obstacle is it's to newcomers to the hobbies and someone who's just picking up your game for the first time with no idea about it it's realizing that the manual is part of winning people over part of getting people on board as well as providing this reference mm. and all of these different elements and I I, th- I I think they're getting better you know I look at it's 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 kind of hilarious whenever you get an old enough game that you or or old enough game or just something by GMT or other wargame people that is just and they, but even those which are these kind of enormous chunky things that have to have 1.3.7 as the thing so that you can refer back to stuff but even those are learning to break stuff up into different ways and giving people different entry points and I think I think I think things are getting better and I'm excited about it I even saw like Jeff Engelstein uh highlighted a a thread something that he saw where someone had an incredibly complicated war game had been broken up into essentially a set of like key questions throughout the whole thing so like kind of laid it out and it's like so how do i target these submarines and then a load of questions underneath that so you could skim through and actually get a very very top level view of the game just by reading the headings because it's not like this is this section this is this section and that's similar to your the scavenge 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 you know the heading there. Is telling you what you're trying to do.
0: I think I think that stuff is interesting, and I think like I wonder if this way is just leading into a cavern of madness. But I do wonder if there is something to be said for providing manuals to people in a variety of different ways. And I think we're kind of already doing that in the fact that you know publishers are making a manual for the game, but also paying somebody to make a video that explains how to play the game, right? Yeah, Yeah. But it seems sadly unlikely that we're going to have an AI run hologram of rodney that will appear in your living room and answer (laughs) questions for you directly uh within the next few years which i'm gutted about. i mean maybe
1: one day real books are just going to be like hi rodney (laughs) here's how the rule here's how the game works and they're just going to talk to rodney and then just rely on that and you just have a reference sheet that's just like yeah literally just designed for rodney and then rodney gets to you point at
0: something on your sheet and then you eyeball the hologram of Rodney for like three to four (laughs) seconds to activate him. And then he'll tell you what it means and how it works. And it will still be a lot slower than using a manual. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that that's probably about enough of uh, myself rambling about making a PDF and Ava very kindly uh, talking to me about it as well and saying nice things about it. If you would like to check it out again, Shut Up and Sit Down, forward slash rats. You can go and look at the game. I think it's worth having a look at just for the gorgeous art that Lucy did. Um, And yeah, give it a play. Uh, Let us know if you have a terrible time. Let us know if you try to learn it and it's a nightmare and the manual is bad. But just let us know in a quite soft, kind way. That'd be be appreciated. (laughs) It's been a rough year. (laughs) uh, Thank you very much for listening again to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast and we will see you again very soon. Thank you very much. Bye.